Hello and welcome to the A Form Show. My name is Alan George, and my name is Tisha Rao. Each week, we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their professional and personal experiences to find out what makes them really tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and make you all much better architects and designers overall. Finally, the views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily represent the A Form Show. Hello and welcome to the A Form show. Today we have the awesome Varsha Vasant with us. She is an architect with over 6 years of experience in the industry of Dubai. She is recognized for her contributions to projects professionally and for her enthusiasm and passion, but also for her soft skills contributing to the team's success. She thrives in think tanks and collaborative environments. Her life experience has helped her in keeping a calm and resilient nature in times of stress. We are definitely going to test that today. She is consistently driven by every opportunity to learn and grow. and believes this is the mindset that has to be exercised into being varsha can be loosely described as a jack of all trades someone who is open and willing to explore new things constantly she drives passionately head deep into just about anything she's doing whether it be about architecture design art music or movies we have a lot to unpack in this episode clearly so without further ado let's get into it welcome to the show varsha thank you for having me Awesome. Welcome Tishia. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is cool now. We yeah. have a co-host. Yeah. I feel like the pressure is slightly off me, but more mm-hmm. on me in a very weird way. <laughs> Strange. It's shared now. Mm-hmm. It's shared. Yeah. All right. So, let's start off with when we were doing research about your profile. Mm-hmm. It seems that you have been through a lot of internships. which i find quite strange mm-hmm. for people over here normally people do an internship as just because i have to it's part of my requirement to graduate and things like that but i feel like you have gone out of your way mm-hmm. to genuinely do internships in what seems like various companies with various portfolios yeah is that true yes i mean it was kind of hard initially to just find a job off the bat like the first two internships i've done yes they were part of the coursework that i had in university but beyond that i did get to work work in this one place where being a free intern you kind of you're there but also being a free intern you don't necessarily have to do grunt work you get to learn a lot more and in that particular place was the first time i got to work in concept design so that was kind of exciting and also like i worked with someone i knew and professionally they did actually introduce me to some ideas that have helped over time like for example it's really minor but like coming from intern that's that wasn't being paid at that particular internship he was just like i know you're good at a b c d but you want to do a b c a lot more than you want to do d so when someone asks you are you good at d you can say yeah but you don't have to brag about how good you are <laughs> Right, so the learning was what don't brag about how good you are no focus more on the things that you want to do basically yeah. right. put all your efforts into those kind of things so that was pretty valuable and it has helped shaped my career to where i am now it's really helped me get to a place where i'm doing things that i genuinely really enjoy doing it's like a treat every day to come into work because you get to do exactly what you want to do because you learned that do you think that's something which you're consciously working towards that you want to be doing work like that only because now you know what you want to be doing the thing is i have had experiences in different kinds of different parts of the whole industry like i worked in a construction site at one point of time 
I've worked in detail design. I've worked in schematic and concepts are just genuinely a lot of fun. I did get to focus a lot more on that in the last few years, but it's quite valuable knowing everything that you do. Like at least early on, you can't specifically fixate on something. You kind of have to become a Swiss army person, like a Swiss army knife, but like, you know, just learn a lot of things. But then I think as you progress over time, you can, it helps you later on, I think, kind of grow in the way that you want to grow. Okay. Interesting. And do you think this kind of experience is something that helps supplemented your education? Like if you had just done, let's say your certificate course or your program and then gotten directly into a job, do you think your internships kind of helped you bridge that gap between what academic architecture looks like and what it looks like professionally? Absolutely. I mean, I think variety is generally what's very eye-opening because you get to really see how different places work how different people think and you get to really learn from a variety of different environments and yeah. all these things come into play. Like when I worked in a construction site, I didn't like, I wasn't in like inspections or anything like that. I used to work on BIM drawings mm -hmm. and this was like at LOD 400 stage drawings. So this was like, we made drawings that were fixing drawings that consultants give and like this is way back when and we would give this directly to the construction worker so I learned a lot about like like actual construction like things that architects don't pay too much attention to like right. um, the groove that that's there between tiles it's like 2mm or 1mm and you don't account for that and you think that you know you'll have a nice pattern on the ground but you lay uh, tiles out in a room and at the end you're going to have a bit of it that just kind of are odd and you'd have to you know so these are small really minor things that it's a uh, way too much detail to get into as a consultant but these were like fun facts that i had to <laughs> encounter later well, on i mean to be honest is something which i think every architect keeps learning throughout their career i don't mm -hmm. think there's any point where an architect can sit back and say oh you know what i think i know it now yeah i think obviously i would imagine the learning curve when you just start off is very high That's i can true. imagine and of course, the more you do it, that curve becomes a little more shallow as you go on with time. But definitely, I think starting off at site is ideally best, to be honest. Mm. Do you think that it's because you've done that first and now focused on concepts? Do you think your concepts are a bit more, also what I'm looking for, a bit more mature than just, you know, kind of just designing anything and however? I mean, if you're young and getting into this very young, it gives you a lot of experience in thinking about materiality and how things work. I think, I mean, obviously with more experience, you learn these things eventually, but then most fresh graduates, they work directly in a design office and that's all of their experience, like straight off the bat. And they, you know, I think that was the one big advantage it helped me with. And also like it generally improved my technical skills quite a bit. And it was also somehow helped my work ethics because, you know, those things were very fast paced as well. Right. So I think when you're young, something like that gives you when you're fresh off as a graduate, things like that, I think definitely help. Interesting. Just okay. to, you know, expedite that whole learning curve. You would mm -hmm. learn it eventually, but it like it something like that kind of helps early on, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So since you touched upon the topic of fresh grads mm -hmm. and maybe this is something which Tisha can also take the lead on the big question. One of the major reasons I wanted to have you on the show with every guest that we have, we normally talk about how, you know, okay, this could be done at an education level. This could be done at a mid level. This is sort of where, you know, when we're hiring for young graduates, this is what we look for. This is where they lack and so on and so forth. It's always kind of like from a top down viewpoint, but in your case, I would want to know from you directly because you have seen 
fresh grad experience here in Dubai. What was your kind of, I don't know what the word is, like I'm thinking expectations, of course. I'm sure your expectations were different or maybe higher or lower, whatever they may be. But what was your overall experience as a fresh grad here in Dubai? What did you think was going to be and what was it finally? To be honest, I didn't know how it would be exactly because I studied in India and then I came out here kind of as a complete blank slate. I didn't know how things worked out here and it things work very differently in India. Yeah. And it became more of like all of my work experience has been in Dubai. But the fact that I did my internships, which were part of the course here and went back, we actually had like vivas based on it. And they would ask us questions on like what we've learned over the internships and stuff. And that's where I found, like, I can't really speak for my expectations, but I found a huge difference between what I learned here in Dubai versus what my classmates learned working in India. Could you care to give us an example? So <laughs> one of the biggest things was just technology. At that point of time, a lot of people were still in India. They were still very heavily on college with 200 pages of work that I had done. Whereas I, some, somebody else in four months had like 25 pages of like drawings that they had worked on. They couldn't understand how I had 200 because Revit just is that much faster. And then I literally got into an argument at the Viva because the professors were very old school, which I actually do appreciate about my coursework because of how old school it was. I feel like I got a lot of I know I'm pivoting here, but like, I feel like I got a lot of old school methods of design thinking, yeah. which is more with your hands and like, you know, versus students out here, they kind of rely a lot on technology, which is good in some ways that you really learn how to think in 3D and make stuff in 3D. But there is some kind of a charm with playing with things with your hands and like, you know, all of that. But on the flip side of that, a lot of them were very old school and they, they immediately had a bias against me. They're like, oh, you went to Dubai. Okay. And he's flipping through the thing. And then they why, why overly, Dubai gets grilled, hated me. On so much they by overly grilled me. And then they couldn't understand how, you know, Revit exactly could achieve some things. And, you know, it got frustrating to kind of explain it to them. And then <laughs> I just, yeah. But I think that, that was one major thing that I noticed about being a fresh graduate and working here. It's a lot more modern, I guess. Okay. Yeah. The thinking is a lot more fresh. Great. Yeah. yeah. That was a similar experience for me too, because I've done internships here and I've also worked in India as well. And I remember like when I began at my workplace, like my job, there were a lot of things that seemed unfortunately very backward yeah. that I had to kind of rewind and be like, okay, fine, this is how it's going to be. And this is kind of what I need to adapt to. And for me also like coming from, you know, like studying in the US and then also working here, you feel a sense of professionalism, even in the workplace, which you get trained to kind of imbibe and kind of showcase. But then when you go back to India, it's kind of like they think you're too uptight because you're professional. So it's like these even personality wise and the way you're perceived in the workplace can really vary based on Okay. You know how what your prior training has been as well, I feel. Okay, but but then let me let me ask the way that obvious question, right? If clearly the both of you saw that certain practices were, I wouldn't say backward, but maybe dated. They just haven't been updated since, right? If they were, have any of you ever bought this up with whoever it is you're working with? And if so, what was the kind of reaction? We can start with Russia. So I've never worked in India, so I can't really speak for that. But I have, I think I've come close to convincing three or four classmates of mine completely into what Revit is. Like I knew a guy, he was a classmate of mine who worked with an architect who 
did all his drawings not even on CAD but by hand. Okay, wow. it was very impressive because he he's getting a completely different kind of experience. Yeah, and I had this really long conversation with him, just learning what he uh, how he did things and how it was a very small practice, but he did so much of work. And then I went into explaining how something like Revit works and how it can genuinely help him. I like dropped about like 10 to 20 voice notes and we were talking for like two hours and I was just like getting into it because at that point I was like really energized by Revit and I was like, oh, this is fun. This is challenging because it, it, it's in that upward learning curve where it, you, you're kind of good with it, but you haven't learned everything yet. But so it's kind of exciting. So I think I feel like I have convinced fellow ex-classmates about these kind of things, but I have not worked in a place to be able to do that. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. From what I've understood, sometimes it's an affordability thing. So people want to imbibe Revit, but then or like adopt Revit into their work. But sometimes it comes down to, okay, number one, like how many other people in the industry locally actually know Revit and can use Revit. And so if we're going to pay, let's say, an X amount of money to get this, what's really the benefit that's going to happen? Because in the end, you have to kind of work on industry standards. And in India, especially, you know, you're not only working with, let's say, a private client. Majority of the times you're working with government, if they need files, things like that. Just how how transferable are files and, you know, anything of that sort amongst different types of people that plays a very important role so sometimes i've seen it as affordability being one and then secondly like let's just stick to what the majority are using because that makes our work easier yeah right. and also i feel like it's a training costs as well they, they exactly do, and people are kind of been there for a while and you're just comfortable in with what you know right they're not ready to move outside of the comfort zone right and especially with students i think like let's say for me in the u.s a lot of my softwares are actually provided by the university. So I don't have to really worry about the cost as a student. But then in India, it's not the same where you have to get, you know, your own Adobe suite and a lot of softwares, you're kind of taking on that extra burden, which sometimes I feel like can also be an obstacle in actually keeping up with what's relevant right. uh, internationally. Right. So if Autodesk, you're listening in for some reason to this podcast, uh, you have a major market you can cover right now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, but all but all jokes aside, I think I have seen this firsthand. Again, I've not worked in India, but I've done quite a bunch of work with people over there. And you're absolutely right. It's very similar things, even down to, you know, the CAD file you send doesn't have the right pen set, which we use. And that's a problem. So, yes, I understand that that can be an issue. I wish it wasn't. But on the flip side, I feel like I've also met people who are the exact other extreme who kind of go down the route of you know coding their own script for parametric stuff you know that level like the absolute other end of the spectrum as well so is that something which you've come across or was that just like a one-off thing you mean in india in india yeah. oh yes now nowadays yes nowadays yes but my fresh grad experience at back like in 2015 not not so much back then but right. yes now a lot of people are adapting to stuff it's surprised me about how futuristic it's gotten in india mm -hmm. especially like since what demonetization after that like people adopted technology just because physical money wasn't available so even the poorest of the poor ado adopted these kind of things 
things. And then just going to India and seeing places like Jaga and stuff, you know, it's a collaborative workspace design hub. You can, you know, rent it out. You just go to their website and see the kind of events that are happening over there. These, these hackathons, these, these things that are just, you know, like really future thinking ideas that people are coming together and really exploring right now. It's, yep. it's quite exciting to see that things like that happen yeah. in India. Digital inclusion is actually being considered as now almost a human right. Like a lot of people in India are kind of fighting for, you know, internet to become like a basic necessity and how do you make it even more accessible than what it was. So it really has a lot of potential kind of moving forward. Yeah, I feel. for sure. I think that it's, it's one of the few places I've seen where digital money has been more adopted than like places like Agreed. out here. Yeah. It's crazy. Agreed. Like, you know, you can go to the little cart down the road and he'll have a QR code that you can scan and buy fruit from. So right. it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. India is a bit of a paradox that way. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're probably in the right direction mm-hmm. probably now and maybe in probably a decade. Yeah. You know, things might change quite dramatically, which is always good. I kind of want to dial back now a bit to your professional practice Mm -hmm. because you have such a solid base, I want to say, in detailing because that's, you know, sort of where you started. And now because you're doing a lot of concept work, I'm interested to know what your sort of design workflow is. If say you get a project on your desk, Varsha, this is the brief, this is the site. We need a concept in, I'm going to be realistic and say three to four weeks time and not like most clients. So like next week, please, next Tuesday. (laughs) But no, let's say that you have a decent amount of time, Mm -hmm. right? It's a good brief. It's a good site. What's your workflow? Walk us through from when you start till you actually submit. So if we have three, four weeks time, that's actually quite luxurious, I guess, in this kind of fast paced world. So projects wherein there is a lot of time for research and like you know it's never a solo process i don't i don't think it's it's always a collaborative effort but there have been fun instances wherein i've gotten to cut up blocks and like start moving things around as a phys- you're talking about physical physical models. models like ways of exploring things but even before we get into all this, the first thing that genuinely happens if you're talking step by step is research. Knowing who the client is, what they're looking for, the research into the site, into the place, what's coming up in this place, what the future has for, you know, development of a place. For example, if you're ever doing something in Saudi, there's a lot of development over there that's happening. You kind of look into what the future could hold and, you know, what you could aspirationally take this this place to become because the client gives you a brief, but there's always ways that you can make the brief better with insights and really learning what something can provide. So I think the research part of it is pretty important, especially also seeing what the client from the client side has worked on before, what kind of projects they're used to, the kind of people they are, like, you know, if they're very futuristic, if they like something that's a bit more traditional, all of these things really help create like a solid base. It gives, I think design has to be contextual. I mean, there there are a lot of times, um, this is pretty obvious, but, but there are still, there are times when you can get to be, you know, really experimental with stuff, but it's fun. Like even, even with contextual, it is, you still think about the future. So that like, this is what I'm saying. It kind of ties into a lot of this kind of early research work that we do. So that's the first part. And then it's the the fun part, which is like really getting to play with different ways of looking at this 
particular model or this particular idea and personally what i have really seen professionally where i work what i've seen change over time is how collaborative people have gotten because people have gotten better have improved their relationships with each other and there are times when we have literally instead of sitting at desks we are standing up and we move from computer to computer and it's like three of us would work on one idea and it feels like one shared supercomputer or a one shared human brain like you know it's it's really interesting because all of us would have very specific talents like a like a coworker of mine she's a she's an incredible artist her work has been in the louvre and stuff you know so she's she provides this very outside kind of outlook on some stuff out of the box thinking and somebody else she another coworker of mine she's she's had experience in a lot of different countries and she has seen things that are like a lot of your design ideas can sometimes be limited by your exposure to things that you've seen in your life and the more you travel the more places you've been all of these things really help you think kind of differently and then we have i have another coworker who reads heavy philosophy and like he's deeply into like theory and and you know books and things like that so when we all share our ideas and our unique inputs into these things and well i guess from my perspective what i can pro- i provide on to these things is that i get deep into the user i genuinely really enjoy psychology like my best friend in university was a psychologist we've spent too much of time talking about these things so i think the human experience how people feel in spaces all of these kind of things all of these different collaborative units kind of come together and we move things forward so physical models drawings charrettes where we put stuff up and everyone contributes it's it's nice because it's it doesn't feel like there's there's any particular hierarchy it's just anyone who has a good idea can really you know help move this forward and having built such a nice team of people that you know really thrive on this whole collaborative think tank kind of a thing has really helped with initial design work because everyone's got like incredible experience and that's that's what that's how i think you know it really helps solidify these things and then yeah obviously after that we go into actually modeling it you know 3d visuals making it beautiful one of the big things that we look at at the place that i work which is rmjm is the storytelling aspect of it which is a big part of how to really like sell an idea you have the spaces you have these things but telling a story to the client telling the right story to the client with all the research that you've done with all the aspirations that you have with all the different collaborative ideas that we've got right putting that together not just visually but like with visual storytelling is the final step we start in from the start honestly it's all everything runs parallelly we kind of you know we started out like this trying to think of what the big idea is and what the emotional outcome of this kind of storytelling is right and that's kind of how we wrap up a concept with all these ideas and the collaboration and the end product i think i think anyone who's worked in a studio mm-hmm. would know exactly what you're talking yeah. about yeah <laughs> it sounds it sounds it sounds like the way it should be mm-hmm. in my opinion concept design should be done like that i think like you said it needs to be very collaborative i think more importantly what i want fresh grads to understand is it's not a linear process mm-hmm. and i not just fresh grads i'm also calling out project managers accountants for example who want to get an invoice out 
Yes, all of that is important. Projects need to be on schedule and so on. But concept design especially is not a very linear process. Production, detailed design might be a linear process because there's a very clear start and a very clear end. And you can sort of tangibly add more resource to get more done in that sense. But in a concept design, it's not as proportional and as rational as, you know, people make it out to be. It is a very messy process. It is a lot of back and forth. It is a lot of starting from scratch and so on and so forth. I kind of want to bring Tisha in now and ask you as well. Is that what you think concept design should be? It is. Because I think, like you said, collaboration has to be at the root of concept design. Because in the end, I think that's the beauty of architecture as well, is that you can bring in so many different perspectives and so many different types of like aspects into architecture. And there's always room for it. And concept design is that one stage where you can actually experiment. And if you don't, then automatically your design becomes very standard or just very plain for lack of a better word. So I feel collaboration has to be kind of at the root of it simply because in the end it has to be as unique and that will only happen when you have more diverse views kind of integrated into that, that process. That and also I think I think there has to be a level of risk that you take yeah. because I think there's there's many projects which anyone listening if if you know design and if you look outside your window I am sure you will see buildings which A were probably just done because they had to get done were probably done because a client wanted to move in or sell out at a certain point of time projects which were done without particular care per se and in my opinion the worst projects which were just safe which mm-hmm. yeah they're efficient and they function and you know all that stuff but there's nothing particularly new that they're adding in any particular way so i think that concept design is the absolute best time to be experimenting and trying out different things like that so yeah i'm glad to hear that that's how you do it yeah so Moving on, I then want to ask you about your project that probably over the time, I'm sure it's not it's not that long and I'm assuming there haven't been a big major list of projects. So I'm assuming up until this point, there's been one project which in your opinion stood out for you. I kind of want to touch upon it if we can. I hope there's no sure. NDAs on it. <laughs> and if there are, it's fine. You can leave them nameless. But the point of the question is, I want to know what of that project stood out for you and why. So there is one project that stands out as something very different from anything that I worked on before. And it's not even something that even went forward per se too far. But it was a project in Libya. Libya? Yeah, Libya. (laughs) That's a word you don't hear very often. Exactly. (laughs) That was the first, that was like a very interesting the client was a very educated man from the place but you know he had lived abroad and all that and he wanted to bring like a master plan in like you know to a his hometown and the things that you google about that place was this i mean let me be the person to ask but mm-hmm. was this before the incident or after the incident what do you mean what was before oh this project oh, was it before or was it after it was i'm trying to be as politically it was, it correct was, as i was, can be at the moment it was last year so so definitely after yeah all right, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was just it was it was interesting because uh, there were a lot of chaotic things that were happening in that obviously, area. Obviously. Yeah, very scary things. You know, like they, like the client did say, "Oh, people can show up in trucks with machine guns." You know, and these are things that you should think about yeah, when it's a regular site when designing. Okay. So I think that that was. The funnest, I mean, see, honestly, I did, it feels quite strange working on something like that. But as a challenge, it was one of the the funnest 
ones that I had encountered. And also, weirdly, I felt like some kind of altruistic person because we got to do something that would genuinely help save people's lives. Yeah. And you don't get to work on projects like that. Yeah. very often yeah. and that those are the kind of things that you hope to actually do with your um career just as you know like some way that you've actually genuinely helped humanity yeah so it, that was interesting because i one of the ideas that i came up with was uh, creating a maze out of the place like a labyrinth so that the people with the guns get lost <laughs> yes <laughs> so that they can't so find that, people so that with a staggered kind of uh, i was imagine a checkboard but a checkboard that's on a curved check like you know right. arc right right you can never see beyond one house mm. so you, so you kind of have a grid system but the grid is on a curve is, is curved. kind of circular yeah. yeah it's on a curved grid right so okay. when you think of something like that you don't go beyond one house or two houses so just with concepts like that like geometry and stuff it was an idea that was you know something that i thought would yeah. help by design true um, i mean by design normally you want to do the opposite of that Yeah. <laughs> But I can see how yeah, I mean going going the other way in that particular scenario, I can see how that would be pretty useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's well, quite cool. Yeah. Well, there's something which I never thought I about. I know exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to need a minute because I'm still thinking about guys showing up in machine guns at yeah. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about like bulletproof like compound walls and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Um one time when I was at my internship in another company, I was like, you know, I was given just very few tasks. I was just working on the fire safety and, you know, mm -hmm. firewalls and stuff like that. But then I was walking past a coworker's desk and I see this paper for this project that they had done the research on. and this was in it was like so long ago i'm not sure which country i i i want to say baghdad but i'm not sure where it was but the research was on terrorist proof buildings wow <laughs> basically how to how to create bomb resistant buildings like how to with placement with materials how to reduce like you know if something blows up the the damage it causes on the you know uh, yeah, on the facade <laughs> of the building that out. but like it was interesting i think maybe that's seeing that early on probably helped me come up with ideas like this for this particular right. no which again you touch upon a bit of i mean this is a bit philosophical again but it's interesting how i think architecture maybe designers in general i think design sort of feeds in from everywhere right like you don't necessarily have to be you know inspired in architecture by other architecture you can be inspired by almost anything anywhere else you know something which you've seen or heard before suddenly becomes the right answer for something which you're working on at the moment i see that happen very often yeah. which interestingly enough is a good segue to my next question which is clearly if people have been listening thus far and i'm pretty sure they have you are someone who is not just an architect or not just inspired by architecture clearly right so my question to you is for fresh grads coming up right they have architecture under their belt they know how to design they know how projects work how they fit together so on so forth but from your point of view because you've been here now for x amount of years and you've been in practice for x amount of years apart from architecture and design what other skill do you think designers should have when entering the market here well that's a 
tough question to answer because I don't think that there can be specific other skills that can be prescribed for every person. I genuinely think that it should come from the person themselves and their areas of interest. Purely, I say this purely because I know someone like the kind of interest that I have, which I could say is I love movies and I've watched so many movies in my life. My thesis was even on film, you know. So like, that's what I explored in a very passionate way, which has really helped me with the whole storytelling aspect of what I do now, but not everybody, uh, like, I, like, I know, I know someone who genuinely just does not like movies. You can't force someone to get into skills that are beyond their, uh, you know, but having said all that, there are some interesting things that I've noticed by no learning or knowing other skills that you can actually bring into the design workforce. One of them is stand-up comedy. Interesting. One of them is stand-up comedy because I say this because a friend of mine is a comedian and um, we constantly have our conversations as pun battles. And once upon In a time... In my mind, I'm laughing already. Yeah. No, I mean, so just long ago, like um, he told me he, he's constantly just making jokes. So he says a joke to me and I'm just like, oh, that was, uh, come on, knowing you, I know you can do better than that. That was not that funny. And then he tells me, oh, no, you gotta, you can't say that to me. You have to be really supportive as a friend uh, for a comedian because you have to go through so many bad jokes until you start making good jokes, right? And I know this is about comedy and stuff, but then taking that to heart, it helped me break apart perfectionism because I think a lot of people as designers, you want something to be the best almost immediately, like right off the bat when you start off. And this is something I've noticed working with everyone, you know, they just, you give out bad ideas and like, oh no, come on, that's not, you know, don't, that's not a great idea. But I say that you should go through bad ideas. I mean, I don't say execute them all the way, but I think you should think about them. You should talk about them. You should, yeah. you know, at least it can at least be a point A until a point A, B, C until you reach point, I don't know, X, Y, Z, which is like the final, the final thing. So iterations really help. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I genuinely learned from my friend who does comedy and me trying to embody that as a skill. Like, even if it's just with funny drawings and stuff like that, it just made me more open to the world. Like, I would look for jokes everywhere. And you make bad jokes, but eventually you get to good jokes. So that was another uh, random skill that I've res done research on it. And comedy, freestyle rapping, improv, they all require the same kind of mentality. mentality. You got to go through, you, you can't be critical of yourself. You can't right. be critical of your work, whether you're a writer, you're a designer, you're a whatever it is. And I think these kind of alternate skills really help you as a creative. Right. Completely agree. It's interesting you brought up stand-up comedy because that's something which I feel quite passionate about. Yeah. For many reasons, because I think it was Dave Chappelle who said what Robin Williams said, which is stand-up comedy is probably the only artistic medium left where you can use everything you have ever learned. Period. Yeah. Anything that you have learned about anyone, anywhere can be used in that field. So as a designer for me, I find that quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Think about not just architecture and design, but think about every conversation you've met, every person you've met, every, literally every single moment you've been awake mm -hmm. or even dreamt for that matter, yeah. can be used in your medium as That's compared true. to, you know, what we do, which is we're still very much constrained and quite rigid when it comes to our creativity. You know, gravity, for example, is <laughs> one of them. But it's one of the things that I love about that. And again, there's not a lot of fluff with stand-up, right? I mean, 
you don't have a backup band you don't have an awesome audio guy making it sound really good on a podcast (laughs) but yeah so i mean to dial back a bit i know that we've gone on a major arc at the moment but as a designer i think that yes there's a lot to learn from that but i think more than your metaphor for good and bad jokes i think from stand up as a designer i've learned things like stage presence i've mm-hmm. learned things like capturing an audience's enthusiasm knowing when you're losing them knowing how to bring them back knowing most importantly when you just have them to kind of lay them with your main idea right yeah because you could start off with you know the absolute right thing to say but then if they aren't really bought into you at that moment they probably won't buy what you're talking about either mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a lot of things of that nature also which i've learned or rather mm-hmm. seen from stand up so i completely agree that yes there are other venues other avenues creative avenues which architects and designers can use for sure is there any other particular one that you have um filmmaking honestly Okay. genuinely i i want i wanted to i've always wanted to be a filmmaker as well that's like been my ideal uh, alternate life you're going to pull a tom ford one day i'm sure i'm sure yeah. you're going to pull a tom ford one so, day <laughs> i mean I, i like having my research during my thesis time in university was basically watch a million movies <laughs> go director by director you know study works of art and um, it's quite powerful because the medium of storytelling right exactly how, like how you said it's about your audience it's about capturing them it's about knowing when you're going to lose them and it's about really you get really good at attention i think you get really good at when you lose people's attention right and i think that's an important skill to have as a designer even if even if you're just making presentations these things mm-hmm. are really really important you got to know when it's too long or too little or like okay can it can't ever be too little but you know what i mean like it has right. to be a good blend of a lot of things right. and i actually have gotten to explore my filmmaking abilities in in this profession quite a bit because like i make a lot of movies you know using rendering software like lumion and all of that movies with music and with script with like having planned it all and you know like really selling like ideas getting your ideas through i went for a comic book workshop the other day and like that was surprisingly very very insightful to my architecture sure. just because of like he talks about storytelling and in, with comics you can't you have to be able to bring your viewers eye from a b c d you got to go up across a page sometimes being very detail heavy comics take a long time for you to get through one page True. and sometimes if it's really light and minimal it's really easy to flick through like multiple pages so mm-hmm. there was one magical thing that i learned about from comic books which was he drew two boxes okay and he said you see the space here and he circled a spot in between the two boxes that's in between two pa- panels he's like that's where the magic happens he's like people sometimes think to do too much like you know to really over explain stuff but you underestimate the human imagination people can fill that void with their imagination and you don't genuinely need to tell everyone everything and i think that is a really powerful like storytelling media uh, tool that i just i learned from comic books which that's what i'm saying so there's like i went there just because i i really like digital art and that's like a side hobby of mine which has helped me stay creative and have some art which is my own right outside of the workplace which is not driven by clients or like you know it's just purely my own mm-hmm. and 
that's that this comes back to the earliest question i i it's hard to prescribe things to people because it has to be where your interests lie and what you want to do but i do think that the biggest thing is the learning mindset and and uh like a friend of mine has said this you never turn off you're always thinking about like you know how this can tie into some project because yeah. everywhere i go i walk around i take pictures i see things like oh that's interesting oh that's kind of uh, uh cool how this works i mean this is something you learn in architecture school to start thinking like that yeah not turning off just while you're outside it's also it applies to other skills i think that everything can kind of be mixed and matched and i think that's how you genuinely become a more creative person yeah. or you know you you genuinely get new better ideas i also think we're kind of in a day and age where media and like narratives have become such an important part of lit- of anything of you know how we perceive content and how we kind of approve of something and so i can totally imagine how that can seep into architecture and i actually remember a professor of mine saying that as soon as you like lose your curiosity like you were saying you know like really observing things around you you no longer are an architect because an architect's like core job is to find inspiration and kind of implement that in whatever you're working on so as soon as you stop observing you've kind of lost that very main thing that architects need to have to actually do their job so yeah True. and i also think when it comes down to communication anyone who's worked with me and i'm pretty sure people listening with will relate to this it's interesting you bought up your comic book kind of you know from one box to the other because normally if i'm doing a concept design or if i'm putting together a report or something like that i actually sketch out little boxes wherein i actually kind of do a little thumbnails, you know yeah. like a little thumbnail mm-hmm. of what i expect that sheet to look like and then i kind of go through that and i can automatically sort of tell okay this page is a bit too heavy bit too many perspectives here too much text here spread it out a bit more and this is before i've even gone to see what the actual content is so i think that's very key and i i mean i am guilty of reading a few comic books every now and then admittedly but i never put together until just now that maybe that's where i get that from that being able to go from frame to frame to frame that's maybe how i think at the moment mm-hmm. see we put together new things every day yeah yeah so much like you said you have filmmaking in the background sort of inspiring you with architecture i clearly have this podcast going on Tisha, do you got anything else going on that's inspiring you? Uh for me it's illustration. I have go. been getting a lot. It's more of a side project that I've been just like working on as a skill but looking into like typography more specifically and working with fonts and things like that is something that I'm very very keen on. Graphic design, packaging, product packaging. Those are things that I do a lot of. I use my free time to kind of look around and see what, you know, piques my interest. Awesome. Yeah. So for listeners if you are an architect and a designer and you are inspired by something which is not that mm-hmm. that's probably a good thing of course it is yeah you maybe want to even double down on that at the moment <laughs> and dialing us all back to reality to this podcast my final question to you and i know you asked me about this question but i left it open ended just because i do okay. and for listeners who know you will know exactly which question this is This is the utopian question. The utopian question being if tomorrow you get a client who comes to you and says, "Varsha, I have an X amount of plot available in Dubai because I'm keeping it contextual and here's my checkbook. Write down whatever you need. You have access to all the resources you may need, all the talent you may need, all the time most importantly that you may need. My only criteria for this project 
is that you be able to give back to the community in some way or the other, be it through something literal, be it through something philosophical, either way, but something which gives back to the community. What do you work on? What comes to mind immediately, which is something that I talk about a lot outside of the workplace, I think is an individual as how they are, like basically your mental health. And I think that this is something that I've worked on quite a bit through my life. Like really, like I, you don't talk about this professionally because you just, you don't want to be seen as uh, someone with anxiety or someone with, you know, whatever it is. But having made so much of growth in my own personal life with learning how to deal with so many things makes me feel very passionate about this I, this topic. And um, if I were to give back to community, design something that could do something like that, I would genuinely focus on human development. Like whether it's as a young person, as an old person, uh, I don't want to say old person, as someone who is not that young, <laughs> I guess. Well, that's yeah, a good way of saying it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Everyone has these things that they encounter in their life that kind of make it hard to deal with. And I think that creating a, a place that can help people come out of these things. I don't mean like a rehabilitation center or something like that. I mean, like, for example, I'll give you an example. I know some uh, friend of mine, two friends of mine in, in India who have worked in this startup. And um, the whole startup is about educating kids, but educating kids in, a, in an alternative way, giving them a wholesome, holistic education outside of the, the school, you know, and the textbooks. Basically, he, one of them reached out to me because I was like big into film at that point. And he's like, do you have any significant movies that can help you learn certain key lessons, you know? And I put together a list of different things. And this was something that he packaged to children, like as an educational thing, like learning things through movies and, and stuff like that. So I thought that that was a, like a, really in like a, a novel i mean i'm sure they, there are probably things but at that point i was like wow this is so interesting that you would have a company that you know helped kids like learn in in different ways and that's what i mean like so if if i were to have a site and a plot that can really like enrich people's lives by letting them really grow in their own ways in different ways so that would be something that i would be interested in just genuinely making so so what you talking about if i were to kind of just i'm trying to in my mind sort of compartmentalize it but i feel like it's not it feels like this is an overlap of you know trauma center rehab residential living maybe even hospitality in there a bit a lot of user experience yeah it's very it's very but uh, you're missing one key thing which is inspiration <laughs> inspiration of yeah. course i mean that's you know that's a given but yeah, I don't think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't even, I, I understand what you're saying, but I can't even sort of label that, which is, which is interesting, which means clearly it's not been done, probably. What I do mean, you think? Definitely not here, at least. I've seen forms in terms of like having community centers that focus on, you know, like providing workshops that are dedicated towards like mental health and looking at human development and things like that, but not something on a large scale um, right. that I've seen or heard of. I mean, I guess if, if I were to kind of clarify what I would do over there, and bringing the whole idea of inspiration is because I think inspiration is kind of like, like, uh, like medicine, uh, you know, reminding yourself to be in awe, y even if you're in a 
horrible place or if you your life is really stuck in a certain way if you bring awe back into your life yeah. there's just a lot of magic there i, I mean i know it sounds like a thing but if i could create a space that could genuinely make people feel inspired i think that pulls people out of a lot of things and there's a lot of hope there there's a lot of it can optimistically maybe even give people you know faith or optimism when i say faith i mean like optimism you know so if i were to re- rework that it would it would be something playful it would be something yeah. that surprises you it would be something that changes and shifts uh, and you know like gets really experimental and like leaves gives you like a like a lot of awe Right. I think that is something that can actually impact any community. You know, it can it can genuinely like really help a place. I think if I had like a lot of money and like an you know like thing, that would be something that that I think. So is, it's not necessarily in terms of like programming specifically, no. but it's purely the design is what you're talking about. It's purely the feelings you feeling feel. exactly, exactly, and the things it can evoke. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm already thinking of some visuals in my head. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's really cool though. And I think you touched upon a very a very relevant topic more so now given that we live in pandemic times. Mm-hmm. Things like anxiety, especially, I'm sure for most designers is a very very real thing that they deal with now. So yeah, probably something which definitely does need to be done. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm still still not very sure as to what exactly it looks like or what it is, but but maybe that's exactly what it is at the moment, right? Like it still needs to be sort of fleshed out and yeah. thought through and definitely requires a lot of research a lot of psychology even i would think mm-hmm. that goes into i know there's like a that. lot of research that's being done on like sensory architecture mm-hmm. and looking at how um you know you kind of embrace all your five senses in terms of how people actually respond to a particular environment um and a lot of psychologists are involved in that as well so it's kind of cool especially i think there's been a lot of particular research for primary schools and figuring out how architecture can really help enhance that learning environment and space in which kids are so there's a lot of cool things happening at right. the moment. Yeah man. Varsha, this was super cool. Thank you. This was very fun. I think I don't know about anyone but me for sure. I'm definitely quite inspired at the moment. I feel like I want to grab a sketchbook and start sketching some stuff. Yeah. And that clearly means that somebody else also wants to do the same. So thank you no, so much right. for inspiring us and This is definitely not going to be the last episode that we do for sure there's definitely going to be a lot more so on behalf of the Eform team I would yes. like to thank you once again for coming on and thank you for having me yeah on that note we will catch you guys next week fellow eformers thank you guys for listening thank you guys for being part of our journey and thank you for the immense support we have been receiving for our episodes it has and continues to be a very bumpy road but we wouldn't want it any other way. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it. But of course, if you loved the episode, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, send us a little DM, and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on. Wink wink nudge nudge. See you next time. Keep sketching.